Hello and a very warm welcome to the Somewhat Sustainable podcast. I'm your host, Paul, and this is our very first episode, and I can't wait for you to share this journey with us. It's going to be full of interesting people, interesting businesses, and exciting new things within the sustainability landscape. I started to realise about 12 months ago that the life I was living was one of convenience and one that was not particularly sustainable. So I decided that I had to change my ways, not only for myself, but for the future generations. I wanted to explore how I could do that and what differences and changes I could make. One of the things that I really love is business. I think it's super exciting. It's full of challenges and I think it pushes us to innovate. So I wanted to explore what we can do as people, individuals within businesses that could accelerate the change for the future. So without further ado, let's jump into the first episode where we're joined by Claudia Gwinnett, founder and CEO of cosmetics brand Circler. Hey, Claudia, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the episode today. I kind of want to just jump straight into things. Can you tell the listeners a little bit more about your company, Circler? How is it that those products, you know, obviously you get a, let's say it's like a face cream or a shower gel or something like that. How does that then get sort of repackaged into an existing bottle? Do you take that and recycle it in-house or how does that work? Yeah, great question. So the way it works, so say for example, we're working with a brand and we want to, we want to sell their, you know, let's use moisturizer as an example. So they send us that product in bulk, which basically means it comes in like large racks. I mean, this is the really unsexy part of the business. Um, and then from there, until it goes out and comes back, that's, this is all where Circular, this is Circular's operation. So, we will place that product into um, packaging, so into our own packaging, and we still we don't white label the brand's products. There's their label still on it, but we do add um, on their onto their label, kind of refill with circular, so that we can um, kind of for legal reasons we can differentiate between a product that's being sold through us and via them because the product, not to get too technical, but the product responsibility and the legal bit remains with us. Um, if there's a product problem. Um, and then, yeah, people buy it from, you know, you know, our online shop, as you would if you were buying from Boots Online or Space and K. Um, we deliver it to your house. And then, yeah, when you reorder, we pick up your empties. They go to a facility now um, who specializes in washing packaging. Um, they wash it and they do all the kind of testing to make sure that the packaging is clean and have all the kind of different wash cycle processes. And then it comes back to us and we fill it. Um, so yeah, it really is a kind of circular loop, I guess. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, that, that sounds fascinating. And I, I wouldn't have even thought about like the, um, product rights and having to sort of have those product responsibilities on, on your shoulders. I thought that would have been completely on the manufacturer, which is, um, um, sort of super interesting and I guess a complexity of the business that I would have never have even thought about. Um, which kind of goes back to what we were saying about the whole whirlwind of, you know, being, you know, a, a new or a startup business and, and still in your sort of, uh, formative years. Um, so why did you choose to like found Circular? What was the driving force behind it? Yeah. So, I mean, a little bit of it is like a typical millennial story that you hear about, I guess, quite often now. Um, I was working in finance. I was working at Barclays. I'd been there for like eight or nine years. Um, and I just started to feel, I guess, a little bit of like a lack of purpose or it, it, the, 
I'm someone who quite likes things to be quite tangible and yeah, job didn't feel like that. Um, and I ended up taking some time out and at the time, um, I guess the blue planet effect by David Attenborough was like really taking hold. And on my time out, I think because life does slow up, slow down, um, I started to kind of look at my own lifestyle. I used to, you know, I used to eat my breakfast, lunch, and dinner pretty much at my desk. And um, I guess, you know, those busy jobs are quite consumption driven. You know, you're eating on the go. Um, and I kind of just started looking at, you know, the products I was buying, the way I was consuming products and just realized that actually I was, um, producing a lot of, you know, a lot of waste and there was a lot of plastic and in my life and kind of learned, you know, just got educated, I guess. And then when I started looking for solutions, everything always felt at the time and there's been so much innovation since then but everything just really felt like at the time that you either had to sacrifice on quality it was so much more expensive or it was just a massive inconvenience and I was really looking for something that was like well if I go back to my day job like am I gonna keep these habits up um you know, it's very similar to like, you know, a lot of people have been working from home and we almost probably developed some habits that were maybe better. Um, and now, you know, we've gone back to normal life and it's like, can we sustain them? And that's kind of how I got into looking at reuse and refill and saw what else was out there and couldn't really find anything. And I guess because it was also a time in my life where I was looking to do something else, um, that's really kind of how the journey started. So it was a little bit of wanting to solve a problem, seeing that I, there was a kind of a business opportunity as well. Um, and then there was a little bit of being in the right space at the right time, um, kind of speaking and meeting a few of the right people. And yeah, and that's how the journey started. Yeah. So would you say that you always wanted to be a company founder or an entrepreneur, or is it something that's kind of, you've fallen into it? I don't think... I've, I, I, I've been, I think I've thought, I've thought about this before. I don't think I ever had this like burning desire to go and start something on my own. Um, it was probably in my last few years of working, you know, that definitely I did start feeling that, but it, it wasn't like throughout my childhood or anything like that, that, you know, some people have just had that kind of entrepreneurial spirit their whole lives. And I think it was also a little bit that, you know, I graduated uni in 2011 um, and then just that startup world was probably just coming into like, you know, like more mainstream media, you know, like obviously people have been starting businesses for years, but, you know, I think technology has driven a huge boom and people starting companies and, you know, building apps and things like that. And that just still wasn't really, like, I don't think any of my friends went to go and start companies um, straight out of uni whereas I look at people nowadays and that's a real you know people are doing it before they even go to university people are doing it whilst they're at school and that just wasn't really something that was around me so I just didn't really think of it as an option but then obviously by the time I was coming to leave work or wanting to leave that that whole boom of the you know in between 2010 and 2020 happened and I think therefore it became something that I became a lot more interested in and thought ooh maybe that is something I want to do and that could fit my kind of my personality and what I want. Yeah, it definitely um, accelerated, like you say, sort of between 2010 and 2020. I think the whole um, sort of mindset shifted and then over obviously the last uh, maybe five years, um, we've sort of seen that sort of side hustle 
um, culture as well, which I think is, is kind of, it's creating that extra growth and, um, yeah, that extra growth within sort of young companies and startups. And, and I think it's technology, like you say, which has really sort of driven people to, to sort of see an opportunity. It's much more accessible. You don't have to invest necessarily straight away into like a bricks and mortar store. Like, you know, traditionally you would have to, um, you can kind of set up a, a drop shipping business for, you know, not a lot of money at all. So it, it's definitely become more accessible. Um, so obviously that's kind of a interesting reason why you, you sort of created Circular and a little bit about sort of your journey to becoming a founder. But why was it important for you to be sustainable? Why, why, why adopt a sustainable business when, you know, traditionally it's much easier to just create a, a normal business? I think I became really, really obsessed with solving the problem. And, you know, I think there's loads of different reasons what can motivate you to start a, you know, to start a company. For mine, it's, it's really is like, I find, I still find it heartbreaking when I look at, um, you know, how, how wasteful we as a society have become. Um, and it's really like changed the way that I consume and, you know, like my whole, I would, I wouldn't say lifestyle, but my, my real, my approach to, to how I consume products has just dramatically changed from where I was two, three years ago. Um, and I think that I'm so frustrated at the problem that that's what has driven me to, to, you know, to, to start. Um, and I think, I think, you know, that kind of, passion if you will energy is obviously really needed when because you know it, it is really tough um but I also think nowadays you know companies are realizing even ones that might not be solving an issue at the core um like you know like circulars of maybe packaging I think businesses throughout are realizing that that is something that consumers are looking for so even if I think I hadn't have started something sustainable you know it's something that you you can't really go on nearly anyone's website at the moment without there being a tag that says, you know, this is our approach to sustainability. Um, it is just becoming a kind of given that businesses need to, to, to do and that consumers are looking for. They, you know, there's basics that you want to be done. Um, but yeah, kind of sit, long answer to a simple question. It was just, I'm just so frustrated by the problem. Um, and yeah. It never got out of my head once I started thinking about it. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I think that's very common for a lot of people with sort of, they, they see a, a need and they, they think about how they can fix it. And then once they're, once they've kind of got that in their head, they're, they're so fixated on it, they just become obsessed. And I think in, in any business in, in the early days, you've got to be in order to get it going and get it off the ground. Because like you were saying, it's, it's, long days, you know, late nights, early mornings, and you've kind of got to be doing 10 things at once and just balancing loads of different spinning plates. So I think you've got to be a little bit obsessed. Um, so I think one of the other things was, was, was trying to understand, you know, how you came about with the name circular, because it, it's kind of sounds almost like circular, but doesn't at the same time. So where did that come from? 
Um, yeah, so actually the, the company got registered as something else um, because and we were actually close to launching and still didn't have a name because um, we I, I kind of wanted something that kind of alluded to like circularity, but I didn't want to use I didn't want to use words like refill or um, you know, there's loads of companies that have got the word refill in it or zero waste or, you know, anything like that. I wanted it to still sound like a kind of, you know, a brat, you know, like a, and with a bit of a feminine side to it as well, I guess, but I wanted it to sound like it could just not, you know, didn't need to allude so much to like the sustainable planet side of it. Um, and it was actually, I was struggling so much with finding a name and I actually ended up kind of getting some of my best friends around and we did all these like various exercises to try and get the, you know, get the name out. And then actually I was cycling one day and I, obviously you become obsessive. Like I used to have all these notes in my, you know, my phone. I used to be constantly Googling to try and find maybe a word or, you know, even a, an object that was, you know, circular and that was regenerative. Um, and then, yeah, I was just cycling one day and I was playing around with the word circle in my head and then somehow it just popped up like circular. And then when I got back home, I opened up my computer and went on um, GoDaddy, which is the place where you buy your domain. And it was 99p. And I was like, <laughs> right, this is it. This is it. This is a sign that that's the name. Um, and then, yeah, I immediately registered it. But... No, I remember everyone being like, so, you know, because at this point I was already pitching the company and they were like, so what's it called? And I just be like, called it TVC. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think that's amazing. <laughs> and it's sometimes those, I think that's one of the really nice things about like exercise. Um, I do quite a lot of cycling in my spare time and, and do a little bit of climbing more recently. And those things, when you're doing the things that you almost just end up in like that state of, almost like flow and you're just kind of like in the moment and then all of a sudden it just pops into your head and you're like this is it and and to be honest with you it's exactly what happened with like naming the podcast I was like I know what I want to do I know exactly what it's going to be and I know how I want it all to play out but I just I spent weeks just like thinking about what I could call it and it, it was one of those moments similar to you where it was just like ping and on, on came the light bulb and those moments are so like fill you with joy don't they, they yeah just... definitely I just I really remember it now that I'm thinking of it just like how it consumed my every thought um it was yeah it was and it, there was also a lot of pressure because you know you're introducing your company and people are like the first thing they ask is what's his name you know we couldn't build a website um we couldn't get an instagram handle so yeah it definitely oh yeah i'm glad that bit's over <laughs> yeah definitely but then that that also presents another problem because like if you're creating an instagram you're creating a website you also then have to verify that nobody else has taken that already so you get this amazing idea and then you're like oh, now I need to research if somebody else has already had this amazing idea. So it's kind of like a little bit of a torturous process, isn't it? It's And we were really lucky because actually there, there is another company called Circler that we discovered later that are like some kind of recycling company in Norway. Um, but generally, if you type in the brand into Google, do you know, like if you, and I think this is something you have to be quite weary of when you're building a business, um, you know, like when you pick a name like... 
I don't know, something that's a common object, the chances are if someone types in your, your brand name, it's not going to come up. Um, whereas we were, we've actually got quite lucky that because it's not actually a word, you know, it's not like refill or something like, you know, refill beauty. Um, you can, act, we actually, you know, do come up on kind of Google search. Um, and, you know, those kind of things are really, really important when people are, you know, people are looking for you. Um, course, yeah. But yeah, we haven't managed to get, we managed to get all of our handles and things like that, but we've got a few underscores here and there because there's some, again, on Instagram, there's some random person who's called Circler. And when I emailed them being like, I'll pay you some money to give me, give me your Instagram handle because she just had like, you know, a hundred followers. Um, we never got a reply, but I'm uh-huh. sure she gets tagged in a lot of stuff that must be annoying, but she's never got in touch with us <laughs> yeah just just jump on her instagram page and see what she's been tagged in and then just ask those people if they wouldn't mind retagging <laughs> you <laughs> yeah no it's it's a crazy crazy world that we live in in a way um but no it's it's a really nice sort of process to go through is is actually sort of coming up with a company name um so obviously we've kind of covered like why it was important to be sustainable and and you know i guess from the company aspect for but for like for you was there a like you said there was a moment where you just went i i want to do this but was there a what was the what was the real driving factor for for you as a as a individual to to change your mentality what what was that trigger i guess yeah i mean the trigger was you know it was probably definitely becoming um I think there was, there was definitely a few things going on at the same time. So I think the trigger was definitely, um, like becoming, you know, more aware. Um, so I was, I was at Barclays and then I, I decided to take, um, some time out, which I, you know, obviously is a very privileged position to be in. And I'd kind of saved up because I wanted to take a couple of months off to kind of figure out what it is I wanted to do. So from a personal perspective, I was in a state where I was really receptive to, to check to, to change and I was also in a position where I, I you know I could look at starting something and taking taking the risk um but the trigger that was really you know the starting of the company was definitely coming like becoming more educated and that's what kind of drived the idea but I don't think I would have ever left my job I if I hadn't have got I got accepted onto an accelerator program that you had to be on full time um and I have to say without that as a kind of confidence boost around me, I'm not sure I would have done it because, you know, I was doing it on my own um, and we can talk about, you know, running a business on your own and being a single founder. Um, I didn't really have like parents who were, you know, entrepreneurs or, an, or a network around me where like I w- would be able to kind of immediately go to, to for, for support. Um, and you know, it's also just, it's just nerve wracking when you, you don't, I didn't come from the industry either. I didn't come from the beauty industry. I didn't know anything about packaging. I didn't know, you know, I'd come from a very intense operational role. Um, you know, but like, you know, like it's things like your VAT return, company tax accounts. Like, I mean, yeah. there's so much stuff making an Instagram ad. Like I just, you know, every day I'm like, I have no idea what this is. Like, let me go figure it out. Um, so, you know, there was, I think if I hadn't have got onto that accelerator program, I don't, I, I really like, you know, I would love to believe that I would have been kind of brave enough, but I don't think I would have been brave enough to quit my job, um, to start because I think it did give me a bit of validation in the idea, um, and yeah, and confidence to, to go and do it. 
Yeah. So, I mean, how have you found it starting your own business? What's, what's that kind of been like? What's the, what's the hardest thing you've sort of experienced so far and what's been the most rewarding thing? Yeah. I mean, I'll start with the hardest. I think the hardest is, um, up until June of last year, it was just me. Um, until I managed to hire someone full time. Um, and, but even now that we've got a team, there's so much of the responsibility still sits with you and a lot of the pressure still sits with you. Um, you know, you're still the face of the business. And therefore, you know, whilst I can obviously share with my team, you know, the highs and the lows, the, the real buck sometimes does feel like it ends with you and the responsibility sits with you. So when you're having a bad day or there is, it, it's, it can feel just incredibly overwhelming and you, you know, it, it just feels very full on. So I think the thing, I think the thing I find the hardest is maybe not having someone who shares that same amount of pressure so that if you're having an off day, which everyone has, um, you, 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 it reminds me a bit like when you're at school and you're studying and you could always be studying more. When I think in most jobs, there is a certain point where you're like, right, I've most probably done everything I need to do and I'm kind of done and you go home and it's over. Um, whereas I think with running a business, that feels like it never ends. It's like you could always be doing more. You could be doing more of this, researching more, messaging more people, you know, and just that bit is, it's just very consuming. I have to say the biggest high, um, I mean, there's been loads. I think getting the team together, um, we have a bit of a mix of a team. It's with, I've got Romilly who's full time and I've got two interns. We've had, been, we've been really, um, well supported by the government Kickstarter scheme. Um, I think having, seeing at the moment when I walk into the office and there's like seven people sat around the desk working on Circler, it's just, yeah, it feels, I, I, yeah, it's not a feeling I can really even describe. It just feels amazing that you've got people kind of believing in your vision and what you want to do. Um, and then I would say the first, the next best moment was the first time I realized someone ordered who wasn't a family member, a friend or a friend of a friend. Like it was a total randomer who had found us. I think lots of businesses start, like you get your friends, you get your friends of your friends, um, you know, you start messaging people. But then I remember seeing the name of an order of someone who I'd, we just didn't, I didn't know who they were and they were totally random. I just remember being like, oh wow, someone's bought into this without me, you know, just by finding us. Um, and that, that felt amazing. Yeah, it's it's a real sort of almost like a, a a time of like validation, isn't it? It's like a oh my god, like this person hasn't been sold by me or by one of my friends or one of my family members. This person just actually actually wanted to buy from us from Circler. So they're not they're no longer just buying from you. They're buying from the brand, which is like a a real validation of the brand. And I think that's. Uh, you know, uh, amazing, really, uh, and an, an amazing time for for a business as a whole. Um, so, did that come kind of before the team grew, or was that kind of as the team grew? Yeah, that was before the team grew. Um, so, we launched in. Um, we did like a very soft launch, um, and you know, we had like maybe thirty products on the platform um, towards the end of twenty twenty, and then by about April of 2021 
we started, that's when we probably, I started seeing orders coming through that weren't, you know, people that we knew, I knew or anything like that. Um, I mean, now obviously it's, it's really, really grown in the last six months. Um, but yeah, you know, it is, yeah, I don't think anything, I think there's a saying that like every time you order from a small business, there's an actual person kind of doing a dance. And that definitely is the truth. Like I obviously get the order notifications to my phone and like, I ne- yeah, it always feels surreal that people are buying from you and are bought into the idea particularly. Yeah, it's always nice to get those notifications to your phone, but I can imagine now that the business is growing, it's starting to become a little bit more, oh, right, okay, there's another one, Actually, there's the another one. one. That, there's one that I find more annoying is Instagram notifications. Um, I don't know how people with hundreds of thousands of followers manage it. I'm sure they must probably either have a separate phone or they have people doing it for them. But yeah, gosh, getting pinged constantly and getting notifications of your social media channels, I just find, yeah... Yeah, so, so I don't think it's a healthy thing to 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 have on your phone. No, it's 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 quite overwhelming. It's uh, once you start sort of going into the nitty gritty of it and and really sort of delving into it, it can become a little bit all consuming. And I guess that's why you've got a a team around you which can really help as well, which I think is is really positive. Um, so I guess kind of like segueing slightly um off just circular it's like looking at the whole sort of green and sustainable landscape um and obviously that's a a really busy exciting um area at the moment but for you what's like the most exciting thing that you've seen recently um i think some of the most exciting things i've seen recently and i think this is where a lot of innovation is going to sit in both beauty and home products and when i mean home i mean like home cleaning products um and I don't think it's still quite there yet. I think home care products, yes, but um, a lot of beauty products and like a lot of cleaning products are filled with water. And um, I think the, the kind of innovation to having concentrated pods where you mix, mix products, you know, you add water at home. So we actually sell a brand called Spruce who do amazing, amazing products. They do two sprays um, and you get a kind of concentrated powder, you add water at home. Um, and I think I've started to see that coming through for the, you know, the beauty industry. Um, now it's, it's going to take years to be able to get the full product range. And, you know, I think it will really work for things like hand washes and things like that. But, you know, moisturizers and skincare is, you know, it's, it's very, very difficult. Um, but I think that's just really exciting product development where it's still placing, um, you know, really good quality, the kind of convenience from a consumer, um, you know, still at the heart of everything that happens. Because I think definitely when the sustainability movement first started, I still don't, I think it really lacked like high quality products, you know, that were aspirational, that people really wanted. Um, and there was always an inconvenience element. And I've just seen how much things have changed in the last two years so yeah it's going to be pretty exciting what happens you know in the next five to ten years yeah no that's that's amazing i think there's um there's definitely a movement towards that there's a couple of products that i've seen out there i think one of them was from like ocean saver um they're like plastic free they've got like concentrated little pods and stuff that you just pop into your own um bottles and um yeah you use that and then is it small as well they've started doing that so you get like a cool small bottle and then you you've got your little pods um i actually thought about this being applied to the automotive car cleaning industry um 
because they've got loads of plastics with their shampoos and pre-washes and stuff like that. So if it could be like a little shampoo block that you put into your wash bucket instead of a plastic bottle filled with shampoo, then that, that would be potentially saving, you know, multiple plastic bottles every year, especially for like a business, which I think is should definitely be a business idea for someone. So if there's someone listening that wants to do that, then yeah, hit me up. I'll give you all my ideas. It's, uh, it's not trademarked just yet. Yeah. Um, so obviously um, that's kind of like the, the whole landscape kind of thing. But in terms of like what advice you've been given, what, what do you think is the best piece of advice that you were given around being more sustainable or living more sustainably? Yeah, so I think, um, really great question. Um, I think the best thing to do is like, I've got a few, a few things. I think one is always, you know, always use what you already have. So like the best thing that you own, the best thing you can buy is what you already own. So I think when a lot of people are like, right, I'm going to go and buy it. You know, I want to be more sustainable. You know, there are loads of products out there nine days and people kind of go and buy more stuff when actually the, the stuff they already have should be used before, you know, and used until its end of life. Um, I think that's the first one. I think the next one is there is, and I, th- I think this movement is starting to change now, but it was definitely like this when I first entered the space, which was there was a real obsession with this kind of notion of zero waste and um, it, it didn't really feel accessible to most people. And I think, you know, yes, it's great to have, you know, um, role models of people who are living their lives, you know, with such, such consciousness. But the reality is for most people, like it is more expensive. You know, you're a single mum with two kids. It's, that's just not going to be your reality. They're going to want a packet of crisps, aren't they? (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, that's just, and that's fine. So I think my biggest advice is kind of do what you can and when I mean, and then do it sustainably. And what I mean by sustainably is like find a way so that it can be a sustained habit in your life. Um, you know, and if that is literally just saying to yourself, you know, I'm sure everyone owns like potentially a reusable coffee cup, but it's like, and I mean, I actually, I, there was a time when I kept giving, get, giving them handed out. But the reality is with like a reusable coffee cup that unless you reuse it, I think it's something like 98 times or something like that. It actually, is so much worse for the environment than a single use one because no one thinks of the energy that goes into producing a polypropylene um, plastic cup. Um, so I would make small commitments that you could, that you do consistently. And I think if everyone did them, they'd have a much greater impact than a kind of a few people doing everything perfectly. Um, so yeah, that's, that's like, you know, I would, that's how I would kind of approach it. And that's definitely how I approach my life. Like I'm, I'm not someone who's zero waste, you know, I ate a bag of crisps yesterday, right? They can't, you know, that's, that's kind of completely fine, but we can all be more mindful, um, and take, you know, more conscious decisions, but still, you know, life is there to be enjoyed. Um, and that's definitely a big value at Circular. Like we don't want you to feel like you're not, accessing something that makes you feel better Mm. yeah there's there's a couple of things there that i think are are, are really interesting like the whole um reusable cups is a really interesting thought i mean 
I've definitely moved to a reusable cup. I've got my little chilies um, bottle. I was actually bought it as a as a birthday present, um, and it's great. And I'm trying not to now because I've got it. It would be even more wasteful to not use it and have those single use um, uh, paper cups. Um, but I think one of the things that you say in there about sort of not not detracting from your life in order to live sustainably sort of actually heralds back to something which um, I'm really into Formula One. Absolutely love it. Same. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. We'll talk about that another time. Um, but you'll know Seb Vettel. Um, he said, we, we shouldn't stop people from doing what they love. We just have to find a way to make it more sustainable. Um, and I think that's that's something which should resonate with everybody. And then the other thing that I think it can be taken from that is don't let perfection get in the way of doing better. Um, so if we all make a, a start and we all try and do better, then let's not let perfection get in the way. We'll perfection will come one day and then it'll be scrapped because another perfection will come. So we've all got to do something and make a start. Um, and then I think this is, um, this is quite a big question and I, I'm definitely guilty of this, but do you ever get overwhelmed by the mammoth problem task, which is kind of ahead of us in terms of sustainability in the environment? Yeah, definitely. You know, there was, um, the latest IPCC report came out this week, which, you know, was heartbreaking reading, really, when you look at the state of the world. Um, you think about how much waste has been produced, you know, throughout the, the last two years because of COVID. Um, and, you know, you, you watch countless documentaries. I mean, you can see it when you walk on the streets, just how, you know, how waste, you like how much waste there is, you know, like seeing, you know, is it boohoo.com selling bikinis for a pound or a penny or whatever it was? Um, yeah, I definitely do feel overwhelmed. And I've definitely had days where I think like, what's the point in this? Like, is it really going to have an impact? Um, you know, what, does it really matter when this like people can still buy and there's, you know, shampoo for one ninety nine and it's super mass produced? And um, so I definitely do have days like that. But then I... I kind of come back to this idea of, you know, what is better to do nothing, um, you know, or do something. Um, and I guess my, my view is, is, you know, I'd rather get through my life having said, okay, I've done something rather than, you know, rather than nothing. Um, and like, I, I, th I think because I also, I see that the problem is, is quite urgent in terms of it needs fixing. Um, I don't feel like I could kind of give up and step away from it. Like I've always thought to myself, I think even now that I've kind of got involved in this industry, if Circular didn't work out, I would, um, I would probably want to go and find something else, whether it was working for another company that did something in this kind of, this, this, this world. Um, but yeah, I do think it's overwhelming. And I think that's a big responsibility that businesses and influences and, you know, anyone speaking on the subject has, which is you have to be quite careful because if you be, if you, if you talk too much about the problem, like with anything, people become a bit, 
you know, blasé about it, like, you know, passive, you know, passive about, I can't think of the right word now. Um, you know, it's a bit, you know, it's unfortunately with everything, like even with COVID, I remember at the beginning, everyone was obsessed. And then I, you know, I remember even speaking to my friends and they're like, I just can't watch the news anymore. Like, I just don't want to see it. I don't want to talk about it. Um, because it just becomes so overwhelming and we feel overwhelmed. And that's why I think businesses have the responsibility of showing well, if we do this, this is the impact and, you know, breaking it down and what impact could you have um, and making it seem more optimistic so that people don't get overwhelmed with it because it is, it can be scary and it can be overwhelming and there is, it's an easier thought to have like, oh, what does it matter? Like, you know, what, what impact am I really going to have? That's a very easy mindset to fall into. Um, and I think we all, because companies, um, you know, and industry leaders and, you know, the government and, you know, big business all has that responsibility to make sure consumers don't feel like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. And I think um, it kind of, um, in a way, holds back to the little post that I did on LinkedIn, which was actually inspired by your post about Boris Johnson. <laughs> um, and I, I just thought, ah, oh, do you know what? I'm going to, my first little video on, on LinkedIn, I thought I'm just going to I'm going to take this. I'm going to go a step further. And then if 1%, I think, I think I worked it out. If 1% of the 25 to, it was either 65 or 80 year old population was to change their shampoo, conditioner and like body wash to, um, a plastic free alternative, we'd save like 12.6 million plastic bottles a year. And I just thought like 12.6 million based on 1% is just, that's ridiculous yeah. you know if you go to like 10% if we all started thinking like that and if you can have that influence on somebody else in your life and we got to that 10% mark well that's that's no longer 12.8 million that's you know 128 million yeah and that's why I do really believe in like I, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk in the sustainability space around individual action over kind of corporate and government and there's this view that you know too much is being placed on the consumer as a responsibility and I do agree with that I think ultimately businesses are responsible for making sure that they the way they make products the way they supply products you know is with the thought of kind of people and, and planet in mind just as governments should be legislating for things that protect the planet because ultimately we're just going to be paying for it later down the line with our own taxes um but i also just and i really believe in that and i'm in that camp but i also believe that we as people with every pound that we spend that is our voice demanding what we want you know and that's why you know why is there so much more of a demand for oat milk that's because consumers demanded something different and now there's like 50 oat milk brands um you know why is that there's more vegan options you know i remember five years ago if you walked into a restaurant even in london you know you would struggle most probably to find a vegan meal and because consumers have said this is what we want you know businesses have, have been built from that so i would never underestimate the power of your dollar or your pound um in kind of being able to drive change because you know every purchase decision you make is your voice in terms of what you want um and that when you think like that it actually puts a lot of power in your pocket um you know for those that are able obviously um to, to you know to, to demand change potentially yeah i think you're absolutely right i think it's a uh consumers can drive change just through their you know buying habits you know i i changed from regular milk to oat milk and that that was a that was a 
a conscious decision, you know, based on like health and based on like planet. And it, it's, it's quite an expensive change to make, but then there's more and more oat milk brands coming out. So the prices are starting to just gradually come down. Um, and I don't know how, um, sustainable or energy efficient it is, but Aldi now make a, an oat milk and it's around the same price as a, a liter of, of regular milk. It's like 85, 90p or something like that, which is, is completely accessible to, to most people, you know. So it's, I think. It's, I mean, my, my parents are a funny example because I think parents are quite hard to, to, you know, they, they have like, this generation where they're kind of hot, well, can be quite hardwired into their, their habits. And, um, and obviously, I, you know, it's amazing because my mum is obviously, uh, my dad obviously got circulars, was probably number one fan and they, they will use all the products. But my mum definitely does say she will only change when she really thinks we found a product that works just as good as what she had before. Um, so cleaning products is a quite a big, big change for her but um my parents like unfortunately just will not you know they don't like drinking oat milk right they just don't like the taste my dad will not drink it but I was like okay if you don't do that will you at least get it from the milkman so at least you're not you know you're it's definitely coming from straight from a farmer you know it's fresh and you're not throwing away a plastic bottle and you know they now love it and like actually you get a way better quality product it's so fresh um and you know, and they've made that change. So I think that's how I always look at sustainability. It's like, you can, if you're so dead against something, you can find other options, you know, based on your affordability that could at least, you, you don't have to always pick the app. There's, there's some, could be something that's better, but it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's that whole, don't let perfection get in the way of better. It's, it, I think that's a really, a really strong thing. And I think it's something that I'm definitely going to start saying to more people like, okay, I get that you don't want to go to this extreme, but what about this instead? Um, and it's definitely something that I see it with mostly with my grandparents. Like I'm still lucky enough that they're still here. And my, my, my granddad just doesn't believe that the world is changing. He just doesn't, he doesn't see it. And I'm just like, I'm not going to win this battle, but you know, in terms of what, impact he has like he hardly drives his car anymore like his impact's going down just because he's changing his lifestyle so i'm like i'll just i'll just leave you to enjoy the rest of <laughs> the rest of your days um and i'll do what i can and i'll try and influence other people who are willing to change to do what they can um so it, that kind of really nicely brings me on to my last question which is if you had one piece of advice for someone that was just kind of starting out on a sustainability journey and was trying to be more sustainable what would it be um, I think, I mean, I think the biggest thing we can do without having to do anything drastic is, um, yeah, I think a little bit like, ignore on top of everything that I've kind of said before, but, um, I would definitely look at the products that you use nearly every day, whether that's like, if you get a coffee every day, if you go to the shops every day, what you're eating, um, the things that you use all the time and think to yourself, is this, is there a change that I could potentially make, um, you know, to that? So like an obvious example is a coffee cup, a reasonable coffee cup, reasonable, co you know, bag, um, you know, whether it's you buy lunch on the go every single day and it comes wrapped in plastic, could you one day a week take in your own lunch? Um, but I would definitely not go 
all out like this you know it's a bit like a diet <laughs> is how I always think of it you know you're very likely to fail if you've never exercised or don't really normally eat healthily and then you say to yourself on Sunday tomorrow I'm going to wake up to go to the gym at 6am I'm going to put it out there that I bet most people don't do that right but if you said to yourself I normally wake up at 8 I'm going to get up at 7.30 you know a little bit earlier and you start out small the chances are you're going to it, the habit's going to last um, because drastic change, just most humans can't, don't accept it. It's too scary. Our bodies will do everything in their power to avoid it because it will feel uncomfortable. Um, so yeah, just, you know, start small, you know, make it a habit um, and then, you know, gradually kind of, you know, um, increase, you know, increase your, you know, increase your, your, your changes. And then the other thing I would say is get educated. Like sustainability is broad, it's complex, it's very nuanced. Um, you know, so try and absorb as much information as possible. There's loads of, you know, documentaries out there, listening to podcasts like this, um, and become as, you know, educated as possible. Because I think once you are educated and aware, it will more likely mean that it will stick rather than you're just doing it because you see it's a trend or, or something else okay yeah i think i think that that the whole sustainable sustainable sustainability is, <laughs> is what we're trying to get to isn't it it's yeah. uh make sure it's something that you can repeat make sure it's something that you can do often and make sure it's something which is isn't going to impact your life too much and and i think that's a really a really nice sort of place to kind of finish and 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 i guess um, just say a, a massive thank you for, for joining me. I think it's been, it's, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to have you on, learn about Circular. Um, you're clearly incredibly passionate. I think it's, uh, it sounds like a really great business. And, uh, yeah, I wish you all the very best for, for the company. And yeah, I, I look forward to seeing it all across the news in the, in the future. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. It's been really, really great pleasure speaking with you. So thank you. Amazing. Thank you.